Hey there, welcome back. Okay, I think this is going to be a fairly short episode. I'm going to try to make it short because it's really simple. I see this all the time when people ask a question in like a gardening forum, they get a lot of different answers. As a matter of fact, it makes me think of this old saying. I heard it once and I'll never forget it. <laughs> if you ask three attorneys the same question, you're going to get at least five answers. So uh, it's the same with gardeners. And, you know, I, this is probably one of the most important shows that I've ever done. And I hope it's going to be one of the shortest shows that I've ever done because it's pretty simple to me now that I know what I know. And I really just want to save you some time and some confusion but that's what we're going to talk about today. How to decide which one of those answers is right for you. By the way, if you're new here, welcome to the Edible Gardens podcast. I'm your host, Nanette Blair, and I'm so glad you found us because what we do here is we help people create edible and beautiful landscapes that are way better than organic. Because I'm on a mission to make good food accessible to everyone, and in my opinion, the best definition of good food is nutritious, delicious, and safe. And it doesn't get any better than picking fresh fruit, herbs, veggies straight off the plant where you know what went into it from start to finish. And you won't find any tomato cages here. As a matter of fact, there's a lot you won't find here, including pesticides, herbicides, fungicides, or any of the other sides. But what you will find here are landscapes that are designed for beauty, reflection, fun, entertaining, and the list goes on to whatever you want because it's your home, your yard, your taste, and beauty truly is in the eye of the beholder. Okay, you know that garden you've been thinking about? Well, I know you're ready. I know I'm ready. So let's dig in. Okay, this is something that I see on a regular basis. Someone will ask a question in one of these garden groups, and I'm going to go into one of those right now and just look at a few questions. So um, one of the questions, you know, the question might be, okay, this is happening either with the bug or the soil or the leaves or the fruit. What's, what's going on with my plant? And then they'll ask a question in some of these groups. Let me look at this one. This one has, let's see, how many people does this group have in it? So like 35,000 people in this group. I've seen ones where it'll have, let's see, it'll have like hundreds of thousands of people in a group. So when you ask a question, you put up a picture and you, you ask a question and you get, I've seen sometimes hundreds of different answers, different answers. You know, the same could be said for gardeners. If you ask three gardeners the same question, you'll get five different answers. Well, let's just make that exponential if you have a lot of people in the group. So what should you do? You're going to get a lot of input and it's um, much of it's going to be conflicting. So what do you do? This is what I would say. It's real simple. What would God do? What would nature do? If someone says something like, well, you can spray it with a water hose, okay? So let's just talk specifically about aphids. So someone says, go put neem oil on it, or someone says, go put diatomaceous earth on it. Someone says, put lemon oil on it. Someone says, you know, something else. Well, how do you know which one to listen to? I would say, what does nature do 
without any help from anyone. Well, first of all, everything's going to be mixed up. But, you know, you'll hear people say something like, well, put Epsom salts um, in your soil or plant this plant next to that plant or whatever. So I ask myself, how would nature take care of it? And that's really the crux of it. (laughs) You know, it's kind of like the less I do in my garden, the less I interfere, I bring in the system, right? I do an establishment planting and then I let nature take care of it. So if it's a bug problem, most of the time, and you know, I would say that kind of a, the sister answer to that is observe, stand back, observe what's going on in your garden. Take all the information in. You don't even have to take all the information in because some of it you're going to say, eh, I don't want to do that. Like, you know, someone will say spray Roundup on it and you're going to say automatically, no, I'm not doing that. The more you go to the garden center and buy stuff to put into your garden, the more you're disrupting what nature is trying to build. And I've kind of said this in many other ways in past episodes, but I want to say this might be the most important show that I've done. I've always said episode number two was the most important show that I've ever done until now. The most important episode until now. I would say this is kind of like that one, the one thing that'll make all the difference in your garden is kind of under the umbrella of what I'm saying right now. And that is, what does nature do without any help from anyone? If you look back on the Discovery Channel or the Amazon or whatever's going on there, there's food growing there. There's things that are edible that are growing there. Where, let's just say, what the natural habitat of tomatoes are, it's growing somewhere right now as we speak without any help from anyone somewhere wherever its natural habitat was um it's in south america somewhere it is growing somewhere without any help from anyone so we have gotten into this mindset of we have to take care of a plant And really, we don't. God takes care of it for us. What we have to do is introduce the genetic material or the the genes by planting a seed or planting a plant. We introduce it into our system. I know this sounds crazy and it sounds absolutely radical to say we don't have to take care of a plant. But it is so true. Again, I'm going to go back to that episode number two, when I talk about what's the one thing that'll make all the difference in the garden, and I'll just give you the answer right here. You can go back and listen to it if you've never listened to it, uh, but it's it has to do with ecological succession, what nature naturally does without any help from anyone. And But the thing is that I want to say right now is it all clicked for me. It all made sense for me when we bought property that had a wooded area. So half of our property was all cleared out. It was just all lawn, like an acre and a half. And then the other acre and a half was wooded. And I found things in there that were growing without anybody doing anything. Nobody was spraying. Nobody was pulling weeds. Nobody was spraying pesticides, herbicides, fungicides. Nobody was putting down fertilizer. Nobody was doing anything. This is something that I learned about 
in my permaculture course. This is something that I learned from Dr. Elaine Ingham when it has to do with the soil food web. This is things that I learned from the Back to Eden Garden uh, method. You know, you mulch the soil. You cover the soil with some sort of mulch. Well, that was happening naturally out there. I was able to walk that property or our property, the back, I call it the back 40. It's not 40 acres, but I call it the South 40. But I was able to see it in action. I was able to see that there were cucamelons growing in there. Nobody was doing anything to it. I was able to find uh, pecan trees. Nobody was spraying anything. Nobody was doing anything. I found grapes that were growing out there. Nobody was doing anything to it. So that was really like an aha moment for me. And a couple of weeks ago, I thought about the the content for this show, kind of the outline for this show. And I was like, ah, yeah. So I see all these people asking these questions. And when all these answers get thrown at you, like you could do this, you could do this, you could do this, you could do this. You ask yourself, what would God do? What would nature do to take care of that problem? Well, in you do have to have a little bit of observation under your belt to be able to see what naturally happens. So again, just like in episode two, I want to refer you to go take a walk in the woods. You know, <laughs> just go look if somebody you know has some property or you have access to a national park or you have something you can go look and you can see are fire ants actually building mounds deep in the woods I've never seen that you know are there all kinds of insects buzzing around which I I believe you're going to find I don't think that they're spraying for insects in the national parks but you will experience things like holes in leaves As a matter of fact, I don't trust a plant. When I see a plant that doesn't have any holes in its leaves, I'm always suspicious. I'm always thinking, what did they spray on that? That's just my knee-jerk reaction is, what's been sprayed on that? And that's why I don't want to buy food at the grocery store, which really, you know, we don't have that much choice because we don't grow everything we eat. But getting back to the aphid problem, what's the most likely thing that God would do? Probably... Just let the aphids have that one plant because observation, again, they tend to gravitate towards one plant. And then once that one plant has just been eaten up by aphids, now another thing that God would do is probably spray it with water and send in rain, right? What would be the best answer out of all those answers? You ask yourself the question, what would God do? That would be my advice. <laughs> so again, I mean, I could give you so many scenarios on what could happen and what God, you know, what what I have seen observation-wise, but this show would not be a short show. And I would just, I want to leave you with that. Okay. There's so many, so many that I could go on and on and on and on about. That's pretty much it. I would just say, develop your, your sense of observation If you don't have a garden on your property right now, or you go find somewhere where they're not spraying, hopefully a wooded area where you can just walk around and you can see, ah, I'm seeing poison ivy, but I only see it on the edge. I'm not going to freak out about seeing poison ivy on the edge of my property if I know that I don't see it anywhere growing out in the sunshine. Like it's not going to grow out in the middle of my yard. It's not going to get out of control. 
because of what I see somewhere else. So again, this might be the most important show so far (laughs) that I've ever done. But just ask yourself that question, what would God do? Okay, now don't forget since I this was such a short show, I'm going to refer you back to last week's episode and just remind you that I have a new freebie for you. And it is at edifilgardens.com forward slash design if you want to design your own edible landscape based on ecological succession principles. You know, you could say it's on permaculture principles, but permaculture didn't really come up with ecological succession. They just said, aha, we see that that is a good pillar for our our methodology, our strategy. It's essential to permaculture. When you think of permaculture, you think ecological succession, and that's what we're talking about right here. So if you haven't listened to that show, episode number two, I'm going to refer you back to that episode. And basically, I'm going to give you the, I'm going to do a spoiler alert here, but it has to do with the soil and the microbiology that's in the soil. And I always say there's a party going on down there and we're not invited. Anything that we put into the soil besides beneficial microbes, which you can do through making compost extract or compost tea, it's going to disrupt and disturb and possibly kill or make those beneficial organisms go dormant. Anything that you can buy through the garden center, Home Depot, Walmart, whatever, that you put on your soil, it's going to disrupt that. There's party going on down there and we're not invited. Well, it's the same way above the soil. There's a party going on. There's a balance and counterbalance. There's really no such thing as balance. There's only counterbalance. The aphids are coming in. The ladybugs are going to come in too. They're going to take care of that, but they won't if there's no food source. So that's kind of the way I've said it in the past. But in this situation, what I'm talking about specifically today is if you get a lot of answers, because you asked a question, if you get a lot of answers thrown at you, ask yourself, what would God do? If you're interested in doing it in a way that is truly all natural, God would not come in and douse everything with BT with Bacillus thuringiensis. God would not come in and spray neem oil everywhere. It's just not going to happen. Now, possibly God would come in and put some Epsom salts down. It depends on where it is. It might be a place where magnesium sulfate is just happens naturally in that area. So let me go back to the compost extract and compost tea. That's what God is doing. Nature is doing anyway. We're just helping it along. We're just making the time go by faster. (laughs) You know how they say, I've heard people say it takes like 150 years to develop, I don't know, an inch or whatever of topsoil. Well, that's if you let it happen naturally, right? You know, when it just comes to organic practices, I've said this before, I don't believe that's the end all be all. It's still some way, someone is trying to sell you something. They're trying to sell you, package something in a bottle, which by the way, I I know I've said this before, but I'm going to say it one more time right here. Compost that you buy 
at the store is not going to be good quality compost for all the reasons that I've said it before. It's going to be put in an anaerobic environment that's going to cause whatever good microbes have been in there uh, whenever they first put them in there. But because of the way that it's stored in a plastic bag, under pressure, water falling on it from the rain, being stored outside, it has gone anaerobic by the time you get it home. So I highly encourage you to make your own compost. That would be my other two cents. <laughs> so, but compost is something that nature does naturally, right? I think I already covered this, but what is God going to do? How's nature going to handle it? I always say God is the only one who has infinite wisdom, but nature is the only one who knows his truth. What the answer is to that aphid problem, what makes the most sense to me is that he's going to send in that counterbalance of something that's going to prey on, be a predator for those aphids. That's the number one. Uh, I didn't mean to mention, well, you just let all the aphids eat up all your plants. When I say I don't trust leaves without holes in them, sometimes in my garden, I have no holes in any of my leaves. I don't spray anything on them, but I think that that has more to do with something took a bite out of like a neighboring plant or a neighboring leaf. And then they saw, oh, okay, well, that plant has plenty of built-in defense and that plant was able to withstand it. It's only really when the plant gets stressed out that it's really susceptible to those pests and diseases. So if I forgot to water something one time and I let it kind of get eh, kind of unhappy and kind of wilty, or there was a severe drought or, and it usually has to come, but, <laughs> and this is not natural. I get it. I know. But a lot of times it comes from um, me stressing out the plant while it was in the container before I put it into the ground. Like right now I have some things in the container that I haven't put into the ground yet. And those are the ones that are the most at risk of me forgetting to water because it doesn't have that protection of being able to put its roots down deep into the soil the way that the plants in the ground do. So that's where, that's where I'm at risk. I need to put those plants into the ground. I actually had someone reach out to me on a private message recently and say, hey, I have some mint in a container. Would it be better off in the ground? And my answer was like, yeah, for sure. It would be better off in the ground. It just depends. I mean, what do you want? Or do you want that mint in that container just to be kind of a decoration by your front door, your back door, or by a chair or something like that? I mean, it's whatever you want. I'm not saying that, you know... I mean, all plants are sacred, but I'm not going to get that far into it. I'm just saying you throw one question out there and they come back with a lot of answers, a lot of different people. Same person would probably have five different opinions depending on the situation. And the answer really should always be it depends in science. And that's what gardening is. Basically, nature and science uh, is figuring out what nature's doing. It's, the answer should always be it depends. So, um, yeah, it depends on what you want to do and how you want to handle things. It's your taste, your home, your yard, right? You don't want stuff sprayed on your your stuff. You don't want to put down fungicides that are going to kill the microbes in the soil. It's These are things that I can't answer a specific question for you because I I don't really know what your end goal is. You probably don't even know what your end goal is. I don't know what my end goal is. <laughs> Half the time, I would say probably 99% of the time, I don't know what my end goal is. I'm just doing my thing, you know, learning as I go. But hopefully that makes you feel a lot better about 
asking a question, taking it all in. You don't have to take it all in. But now you can choose which answer is right for you. Okay, so I want to remind you one more time about this thing. I'm so excited. This uh, design guide where you can plan out or design your own edible landscape. Same thing as a food forest. It's the exact same thing. Same thing as foodscaping. It's the same thing. But this is with a permaculture twist. And basically, it's a two-page PDF where you can take this and totally customize, you know, draw in your plan, you know, uh, plan out your design based on what perennials, annuals you want, based on your plant folios that you've done in the past, or based on your 2020 garden plan, however you want to use it. But you can find it at edifilgardens.com forward slash design, and you can grab that there. It's free. All right, I think that'll do it for this one. And remember, this podcast is dedicated to you so that we can all put good food on the table. Y'all stay safe out there. Until next time, bye for now.